0: Hello? Can you hear me all right? Turn those two red ones up just a little bit. Okay, it's probably better. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Uh, We're going to go ahead and pray one more time as we begin. Uh, Oh, also, yes, we're going to be in James 1, 19 through 21. I originally had planned to go through 27, but we're going to cut it just a little bit short today. So... Good to see you all guys. Looking all fresh. What's up, man? Um, all right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you so much for this day, for this time. I thank you for your word, Lord Jesus, that you have spoken truth into our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you have ordained that we might know you and be known by you. Father, for we've all gone astray like sheep, each one to his own way, but Lord, you came and sought us out and brought us into your kingdom, Father, granted us eternal life, and we deserve none of it. And this morning, I pray that you just continue to grant to us what we don't deserve, that you, you give us grace and mercy, you open our hearts and minds to receive your word, and Father, for me, that you would just move me out of the way, and you would speak uh, just like living waters, for whatever you have for your congregation, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. <coughs> Relationships relationships are the core of the gospel. It's pretty pretty simple, right? It's, it's kind of hard to minister to somebody if you don't have any relationship. And I'm not talking about, you know, dating or marriage type of relationship. I mean, just person-to-person relationships. Um, and even if you did preach the gospel, it would be pretty useless without a living relationship with God that it's founded in. And so, relationships, the way, the way we interact with God, the way we interact with other people, really says a lot about where we are in our spiritual maturity. It says a lot about whether we are walking righteously or unrighteously. You know, as I was, I was thinking about this this week, and um, Shelby, can you turn off the spotlight, please? I don't, I don't need it. Right there, just click it, click. There we go. Um, I was thinking about it a lot this week, and I think it would probably be accurate to say that more people stumble before their Lord in the way they deal with Him and and with other people, the way they act or react, than in any other just kind of flagrant outward sin issue. I think most of it is, are we being righteous before each other and before God? And so we're going to talk a little bit about... um, What it looks like to have a a righteous relationship with people. What it looks like to have a righteous relationship with the Father today. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So really, we're going to be just um, taking a look at three simple things out of this scripture today. Uh, The first is being swift to hear, the second slow to speak, the third slow to wrath. Now, I'm going to show you that I really believe that's actually one command. It's a three-part three issue, but it really is one. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a three-part command, but it's really one issue is what I'm trying to say. You know, and you've probably heard the, the old saying, God gave you two, two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? Like, maybe we should use them that way. And in a sense, that I think that accurately reflects this verse. But it's no surprise to me that James lists this, um, this issue first. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. That, that little part of that verse right there is going to be the most important thing we talk about today. Being swift to hear lays the foundation for us to even be able to consider the next two commands. Really, th- and not, not just for, for just these things, but being swifty here I'm, I'm gonna present to you is actually the core of having a strong and stable faith in general, okay? Maybe in a little bit of a different way than you think. So when I say be swifty here, what do you think of? What, what's the context of that? Anybody? Paying attention, okay? What else? Okay, looking for emotions, paying attention. Right, so there's a place where, you know, as people are speaking, there's a love we should be able to show to simply listen. I mean, to really listen. But even before we get that, and that was kind of my point, when we hear Swift to Hear, we're, we immediately begin to think in the context of our relationship with other people, in conversations, you know, um, people have something to say, we have something to say, and there's a way that we have to kind of figure that out in a way that works for everybody. But I actually want to back out, I really want to zoom out a little bit. And what if I told you that what was presented here, or that what, how the way we should see this more than anything is first being swift to hear from the Lord. I want you to think about your prayer life for a minute. Um, Let me ask this. Is is being a Christian, is that based on a relationship? It is, right? Okay, is a relationship with God much different than having a relationship with anyone else as far as that interaction? Okay, yeah, there's some differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. I mean, what if I um, hung out with Stephen every day And every time we got together, let's say we went to lunch, we spent about an hour and a half, had a nice extended lunch, and the only person that ever spoke was me. Don't you lie. How long do you think it would take for Stephen to get real tired of that relationship? Probably not too long. Now, I'm thankful that God uh, does not get tired or wearied by my words. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that maybe we could agree that that might be an unhealthy way to build a relationship. And so I want you to think about your prayer life a little bit, and I want you to to just consider when you pray, how much of your prayer life is, Lord, I need, Lord, please do, Lord, let me, Lord, here's my plans, and I need you to make it happen. I mean, really, how much of our prayer life looks just like that? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Uh, I was having a, a talk with somebody yesterday about faith, and it was kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. It's like, what do you, what do you think comes first? Do you think, we, do you think we, we desire first, we step out first, and then we have faith to fulfill that desire afterwards? Or do you think we need to be inspired by faith first and then step out in our faith? The second Right. And um, that's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people, faith is this. I want, I see, it looks good, I'm going to get it, and God is going to make it happen because I believe. Guys, that's not faith. That's not faith. And that is, a, that is a huge part of the Christian church. And that happens because we have a one-way relationship. We have this view of God that is really centered on us and our desires, and we just need him to bless it, right? And that's what every mainstream uh, (laughs) preacher is preaching nowadays. If you just believe, if you just speak, if you just hang on, if you just don't back down, God is going to make it happen. Um, In all reality, God has his own agenda, and we're supposed to get in line with that, Not not the other way around, right? So there's this place where, Even in our relationship with the Lord, the first thing he's asking us to do, I believe, is to be swift to hear. What if instead of going to prayer and saying, Lord, here's what I want, will you give it? Lord, here's what I think needs to happen, will you make it? Lord, this person, they don't really get it. Can you tell them? Maybe we should go before the Lord and say, God, I'm actually not quite sure what I need. Will you tell me? Lord, here's the situation, here's what I think, here's what I see, but Lord, will you grant me understanding? Lord, here's my desire, here's the path I want to take, but Lord, I don't want to go if you're not sending me. Will you show me the way? And there's a place where we can just be still, and we can just be quiet, and we can just go to the Lord with an expectation. Not that just he's going to hear us and answer, because he does. That he does hear you, he does answer, but there's a false expectation in that, that God hears you and he's going to answer according to your plan. And that gets Christians all kinds of messed up, (laughs) right? It really does. But there should be the expectation that God hears us and God answers so that we can get the right answer. Not the answer we want, the answer we need. And there's a place where we have to learn to simply just sit and listen to the Lord. You know, um, even as we read, there's this thing where every now and then I'll be kind of just, oh, I got to go, and I'll just open up, and I'll just start reading. I can never get in half a verse before I just throw it down. I'm like, what am I doing? I just have to pray, and I just have to pray because I know I don't have it in myself that if God is not willing to reveal to me the truth and the depth of his word, I'm not going to grasp it. The Bible says, you know, that the natural man can't understand spiritual things. And so if I'm not allowing myself to be filled with the Spirit, if I'm not asking the God in the Holy Spirit who dwells in me to teach me, I might miss it. And so there's this aspect that even as I'm reading, I'm reading and I'm stirring and it's like there are questions in my head being asked without me really even having to ask them, they're just kind of there, they're being presented to me, and it's in those questions, and there's times where I'll read something, and they'll just hit me, and I'll just move the Bible aside, and I'll just sit there for a minute, because I'm like, what the heck, right, that's why it took me so long to get through Leviticus, because I'm like, I don't know what is going on in here, <laughs> like, what does this even mean, why is it two cubits wrong, why is it, like, is this supposed to be a picture of something, I don't know, I need a handbook, um, But there's a place where we should be stirred. We should have an awe and a wonder of God that leads us to listen. It's called alliteration, by the way. It leads us to listen. Got it? It's cool. Okay. It should lead us to listen and to hear God's voice. I want to read to you a a couple of verses. Now, for the the guys in the Bible school, they've already heard a little bit. They're going to hear a little bit more of this. Um, this has been such an, uh, a huge impact on my life to learn how important it is to just be still and quiet before God. And he continues to just pull it out for me in, in teachings and pr- in presentations. I want to go to Zephaniah because that's, you know, that's a, that's a book everybody goes to on Sunday. Uh, Zephaniah 1-7, okay? And I want to read from the first and second chapter of Zephaniah. It says, be silent, In the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. I think I was was reading in a different translation yesterday. And it says that he has consecrated his guests. Okay, Zechariah 2.13. Will you read that out loud for us again, brother? Let all people be silent before the Lord. For he is coming before his, uh, from his holy dwelling, from his holy habitation, it says here. So there's this picture being painted here that God, I I like the first part, you know, God is going to do, God has set the stage, God has consecrated his own guests. Like, there's not a whole lot of other people in that picture. It's God has done, God is doing, God will do. And because he has the stage set, you just need to shh and watch what God is going to do. Here, he's coming from his holy habitation. Shh, just watch. Just see what God is going to do. And there's, amazing, there's this amazing passage in the Old Testament um, where the Lord says, you know, he does, he has, he's done nothing. He does nothing without first revealing his plan to his prophets. And there's this place where God, you know, God wants us to be cued in to the plan to some degree, right? He says his word is like a lamp to our feet. He wants us to be able to see the path ahead of us, at least enough to walk it. And so often we get, we get off track and we go our own way and all oh, that didn't work. and We have to run back on track real quick and we start walking. Oh, this looks good. So we go this way. Oh, well, that didn't work. and We have to run and get back on track. And there's a place where like God is like, man, if you would just sit down and go Shh, for just a second, if you would just listen and see what I'm doing, it would be a whole lot easier to follow, right? And there's a guy named Asaph, actually, who, and this is my last example here, a guy named Asaph who had this problem. He said, you know, man, I just, I felt like I had washed my hands in vain. He said, I see all these wicked people, these men who have arrogance clothed On them like a garment they wear it as a necklace their pride and they flourish they never lack for anything their children don't go hungry right they get away with their wickedness why the righteous are being persecuted and he says all these things I saw all this and I didn't know what to think and if we can turn to Psalm 73 15 through 17 on the screen real quick and then he says and if I would have said I will speak these things I will speak thus Behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I didn't understand what I was seeing until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Now he goes on to say, Asaph, that he understood that God allows the wicked to spring up. And to live this way so that once they've sprung up, God can mow them all down at once. And truly, God has set them on slippery slopes. Like, God isn't just letting this happen, and they're not actually getting away with it. One day, rather, on earth and definitely in his presence, God will judge all people, right? But it's interesting to me that he said, I didn't get it, and I almost spoke out of my frustration, He said, if I would have said, man, you know, what I see and what God's saying, they don't match. If I would have said, I don't get this, look at them, I would have been untrue. And he said, but then I went into the sanctuary. We got to understand, that means he stepped into God's presence. And he meditated in God's presence. And then he said, and I understood. Now, I don't think there was a whole lot of wicked people getting sprouted up and cut down in there that he saw. No, no, no. There is just a place where he set his heart before the Lord in the presence of God, and God granted him understanding. He began to see what he couldn't see. He began to know what he didn't know. And there's a practice there that we need to observe, that if we are swift to hear, to sit ourselves and just listen for the Lord. Earlier in James, what did we read? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, but let them ask with no doubting. You know, there's something I've experienced that... Um, When we ask for wisdom, we go to prayer, we ask God, give me wisdom, but then we have to hang on to that expectation of it coming. Even once we leave our prayer room, we're going through the day, the next day, the next day, the next day, we're waiting, we're expecting that God is going to grant that. And he does. And that's what happened to Asaph. He sat in the presence of God and he heard. And why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because when we hear Swift" to hear, we think about our relationship with other people, and that's fine, that's appropriate. But I want to I suggest to you that maybe we don't do real well holding our tongue in front of people because we haven't learned to hold our tongue before God. We don't learn how to, how to listen to people, to understand where are they coming from. That's a big deal. If someone's talking to you, there's a couple things you should be worried about. What are they saying? why are they saying it? And what do they really mean? Because a lot of times, people don't mean what they say. Or a lot of times, they're trying to say something, but they don't know how to say it, right? So understanding what are the words they're saying, what are their motives, and what's, the, what's really okay? Maybe they're just going on and on about all these things. What was the point? What, are, what was the point? What are they really trying to get at? And the only way to really get those things, the only way to really grasp those things is just to listen, and to take in. And a lot of times, people go on for a long time. It's kind of like the, like me. I'm going on for like half an hour, right? And y'all are still trying to figure out what I'm saying. So you've got you to take some notes, right? You've got to make some mental notes. And, and really, you've got to hang on to those things until it comes to the end, because typically when people finally, they end, then everything can come together. But there's also a place where we need to be swift to hear because we first fear God. Or as I'm listening to my brother speak, as people are coming and saying, hey, Darren, you know, I have this thing. I need your help. Or hey, you know, I really need some advice. Or hey, I really need this. The first thing I, need, I have to start doing is as they're talking to me, I have to say, okay, Lord, please grant me wisdom. Please help us understand. Lord, if there's anything I can say, I need you to tell me. Because I cannot assume that I have the right answer. And neither can you. Right? Writing sermons is really just doing what I'm telling you to do right now. I can't assume I know what everybody needs to hear. I can't assume I know the right way to preach a passage. I have to just get still before God. I have to, and I have to pray, and as I begin to seek his word, he begins to speak to me and put things into perspective, right? And because there's that process, you know what? If we're doing that every day, if you're sitting before the Lord every single day and just praying and opening yourself and, and, and awaiting for something to happen, awaiting for some insight, a waiting to to have him move your heart. That's a lot of practice. If you're doing that a couple of times a day, that's a lot of practice. Now, when I sit down and someone comes to speak to me and they're going to go on and on, I've had a lot of practice. I've learned to be patient. I've learned to listen because I've been practicing with the Lord every day. And see, that's what allows us to begin and to be righteous before the Lord, to know that, yeah, I'm, I'm actually on the path He set for me because I, I went before the Lord and I asked and I waited and I had it confirmed in fear. It's also what allows me to be right before my brother and my sister and to not be swift to speak, right? Back to James 1. So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Be, you know what? Be eager to listen. Did you know just listening to someone, that's a ministry in itself? Let everyone be swift to hear and slow to speak. Again, there's, there's this duality of the scripture, right? On This is a physical thing and a spiritual thing. Um, and I, I use this, I've used this example before of my buddy Baylor here. But a couple of years ago, when we got reconnected for the first time, he was living at the Sozo home, and we'd be driving in the car, and I'd be taking him back, and he'd be like, yeah, man, so this is going on, and this is what I think, and this is happening, and yada, 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 and and so what do you think? And I'd be like, nothing, man, I don't know, sounds good. And he's like, well, what the heck, what what kind of help are you? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I mean, do you want me to make something up for you? Like, I I just, I don't have anything to say. Like, what do I have to say about your life and your will and what God's speaking to you? If God isn't speaking to me something, I'm just going to shut up because I don't know. I'm not going to make something up, right? And so there's a fear of God that makes me slow to speak. It's not just because, well, I got to look like, see what what verse was that. Okay, I got to hold on to this verse. Okay, I don't. I really want to say this, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kick myself and not let me. Now, if that's where you're at, that's a good place to start. Go ahead and kick yourself, right? But it's much easier is when people are speaking that. You know, we're if we're really listening to God, if we're really waiting that God might actually give you wisdom, you're going to take your time, and you're going to give God the chance, right? And if you really have a fear of God, that like, hey, I don't want to say anything that's going to make this dude go out on my advice and do something that was not in line with God's will. Even as a pastor, like maybe that's where this was born. If I stand up here, I don't want to say anything that is not in line with God's word. In fact, there's a whole theological issue that I came to terms with that I would have disagreed with, but one day I stood up and had to preach a scripture that dealt with that, and I could not say anything other than what the scriptures clearly said. And afterwards, I just went into Mark's office, and I was like, well, Lord, that was, I guess that's over. <laughs> I guess that's solved, you know, because there's this fear like, man, I don't want to say, I don't want to just give someone some good advice. Like, they can go to a counselor for that. You know, I don't want to just advise someone to, oh, yeah, the Lord's going to bless you. Though. Oh, yeah, no, it's your, your, your idea. It's the great. Make them feel good. And they walk off into a pit. Like, man, and you know what? That, that fear of God, that being slow, that actually listening and waiting for the right response, or rather just, man, I just won't say anything. I'll just say, hey, I don't know. Thanks for sharing. That puts us in a right right relationship and keeps us in a right relationship. And it also feeds in. To the final point, to be slow to wrath. And again, if if you don't believe me, if you think this is all just a bunch of craziness, no, this isn't really about God, this is about people. He says, hey, the, the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so there is very much the need to see ourselves present before God as much as I'm in presence of all of you right now. Right, And when I am allowing myself to meditate as I'm in these conversations, as I'm in these situations, as someone's yelling at me, as someone's calling me an idiot, as someone's telling me, no, I'm right, you don't know what you're talking about, as those things are going on, if I'm really listening, saying, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? If I'm really, even if this person's saying crazy stuff, if I'm willing to love them enough to just listen and say, well, what, what are they really trying to say? Why are they, why are they yelling? How, how do they even feel right now? Maybe, maybe if I ignore their words, maybe if I just speak into what's making them angry, maybe that's a better option. You see what I'm saying? Because I know that when I go to God, that's what he does with me. Man, God listens intently. He hears every word. And then you know what he does? He speaks softly, and he speaks what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And, you know, the title of this message, as, you know, unimportant as that is, but it was on the screen, is As He Is. Because there's this scripture that says, and when we see him, we will be with him, we will be like him, we will be as he is. And there's this place where God is calling us to know him, like personally. And as we invest in that time to know God, we become like him. It's that simple. It really is. You're not going to do it any other way. You're not going to force yourself to stop being angry and to be an open person. You're not going to just suddenly be able to love unconditionally because a pastor told you what agape means. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? You have to engulf yourself in the presence of God. The Bible says we only love because he first loved us. And applicably, Applicably? Applicably? There we go. There's some words. You only know how to love others if you're first experiencing and understanding his love for you. And guys, you can be a Christian and totally skip that on your daily basis. And I'm encouraging you not to do that. Not to do that. Because wrath there, being slow to wrath, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. But you know what? If we're being still, if we're learning to be silent, if we're waiting to speak you know, elsewhere it talks about an outburst of wrath. Now, James is focusing, obviously, um, it's pretty a- easy in some tense conversations to be angry and to speak out of anger. But that's unrighteousness, right? That's not, that's not the character of the Lord. And I want to tell you, like, it's not just wrath. Really, the, the word wrath there is just a placeholder. It's really any any reaction out of the flesh rather than spirit, anything that comes from you does not come from God. It's that simple. And the only way I can be in a, in, in a conversation, the only way I can be attacked, the only way I can be in a disagreement and not come back in my anger and not say something kind of slick to try to you know, put a little jab, you know, the only way I cannot get jealous, the only way I cannot do these things, is if I'm meditating before the Lord and I'm being slow to speak, slow to act. You see what I'm saying? You see how this is really one command? These things put themselves in order. That's why the Bible says when we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And finally, guys, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, because of this which we just read, lay aside all filthiness. You know, that word, it means moral impurities, moral impurities. Lay aside anything that's immoral, anything that's wrong. Even in the slightest, just let it go. And any overflow or remnant, it's probably a better word, of wickedness, let those things go. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Guys, I can't tell you how many times, how many times pushing off my impulse to speak, my impulse to act, my impulse to, well, this needs to happen, and just stepping back and considering God, praying, saying, Lord, help me. How do you want me to speak? And he reminded me of a verse. And it completely changed the whole course of how I was going to act in this situation. It completely changed the way I was going to handle this situation. I can't tell you how many times, and you can ask, you can ask these guys, There's sometimes they'll say something and I'll just sit there quiet and nod for like 30 seconds, and it's like really awkward, and everybody's like, like, are you judging me right now? <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times just letting the Spirit stir in my heart, and suddenly the Lord gave me something to say that was not in me to say that change the course of something. We have to be meek, patient, accepting of what God is doing, and receive the implanted word. That is what's able to save our souls. That's what puts us right. So, guys, let's pray. Let's pray today. We should pray every day, but let's pray right now. Um, and let's just take this with us. Let's just consider what does that. What does it even mean? Where Where are we in our in our and our view of God in our prayer life? Is this a one-way relationship? Or are we putting off the anxieties and putting off the to-do list and giving ourselves the time to let God speak back? Father God, I thank you so much for this day, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here uh, bearing with me as I, as I preach. And Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, there's a, a very real temptation to do as we see fit, as, as speak the way we know best. But Lord, we need your wisdom, Father. You are the only one who truly knows how to walk and how to speak rightly in every situation. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us. You would help us have times to, to calm ourselves, to push out the other thoughts, and to just be in your word, to just be in prayer, to just be in an expectancy, to know that you're gonna, you're gonna move our heart in the right direction. Father, we want to be like you so we can be as you are. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless us with that, Lord. Help us tame our tongues, Jesus. Help us rebuke the flesh and live in the Spirit. Only you can give us that strength. And so we just trust you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.